We are here today to open our new television studio in beautiful Moore Park, Southern California. And we have a group of very special guests. I'm going to introduce some of you as we go along today. But I want to thank all of you for coming to this program this afternoon. God has greatly blessed us. The very fact that we are here today and we have this wonderful building which was given to us in the providence and the grace of God. Some people say to me, how can you afford to do these things? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that God is a great and a wonderful God. And God provides for all of our needs. And so we're here today because it's a time of praise and it's really a time of giving thanks to God. Would you please take your Bibles and turn with me to this great text, Romans chapter 8. Book of Romans chapter 8. Romans, the 8th chapter, which many believe is the pinnacle of Scripture, the high point of all Scripture. Romans 8, 31 and onwards. Romans chapter 8, 31 and onwards. And Paul throws down the gauntlet to the powers of darkness. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, nor creation, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, we've gathered together here today because we can testify to the keeping power of God. And the God we serve, my friend, is a very, very big God. And he's made it possible for us to do evangelism around the world. And we invited you folks because you have been special friends for many years. Some of you don't want to think it's many years, but really it is. <laughs> so thank you for coming. I want you to bow your heads, please. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day here in Southern California. We thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come here today to dedicate this building and this studio to you for the work of Christ and the preaching of the gospel and the saving of souls. We give you thanks. We give you praise. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now today, we have another one of those old special friends. Uh, He was going to sing because every time he sings, he brings a great blessing. But he's come down with what we call the flu. But he's here today. He's told me not even to touch him. (laughs) But I'm going to invite now Pastor Willie Garcia, great evangelist, great singer, great preacher, and a great friend. He's going to come and share with you some of the experiences in the preaching of the gospel. Pastor Garcia, it's been our privilege and our pleasure, sir, to have you with us, and I'll take the risk and we'll shake hands. (laughs) God bless you. you. God bless you. God bless you all this afternoon. It's uh, always a joy to be able to gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and happy Sabbath to you all. Uh, I am most grateful today for the opportunity of being here uh, to dedicate this beautiful production site. Isn't it beautiful? What a set. Um, I thank God that 36 years and 10 days ago, the gospel of Jesus Christ became alive to me. Uh, It started with the words of a dear friend who, out of uh, his genuine sincerity and concern for my life, uh, came to seek me out one day. And uh, I was a prideful and arrogant sinner at that time. And, uh, you know, I used to think that gangs and drugs and alcohol were the problems of society, but they weren't. It came to my knowledge that sin and pride and arrogance were really the problem, and it was my problem. And after uh, a short time with him, and uh, him basically just listening to me spot on about how great I was and how many things I had acquired in my lifetime, uh, he left me with these words. What shall it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? And these words just riveted my heart as I watched him walk off. And I wondered to myself, how does this guy know that I've lost my soul? I interpreted that to mean, you know, I had lost my joy, my my concern for being creative, a good husband, a good father, a good neighbor to friends. I had lost my desire to want to sing and create any longer. I had become so uh, overwhelmed by my drug addiction. And those words began to challenge my heart. And he stayed with me two weeks. He stayed just calling me and his concern for me and checking up on me. And he finally invited me uh, to come and listen to the band that he had been playing in and that they were going to go up to a prison camp. And uh, I thought, what a noble thing. They're going to go entertain the prisoners. And it was during that time that I discovered that I was more imprisoned than the men doing time in that place. And I began to see in the eyes of these prisoners a joy that I didn't possess, uh, a peace that certainly had escaped me all those years. Finally, 
uh, after hearing my friends tell about their experience with Jesus Christ, I was moved to cry out to God, when am I going to get set free? When am I going to know this joy? When am I going to know this peace? And surely it was then. I didn't even know I was praying, but uh, God understands the cry of our heart. And he moved in immediately and began to give me reassurance. In 36 years and 10 days, I've really seen the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, not only in my life, but in the opportunities that I've had to travel with the Carter Report to Papua New Guinea and to uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, in New Guinea, I, I got to witness firsthand the presence of God, the power of God night after night, over 100,000 people coming day after day to the, the meetings that uh, Dr. Carter was putting on. And I, I must say, you know, I'd only experienced uh, meetings like that uh, by watching uh, the Carter Report, you know, and some of the other evangelistic crusades, but to be there in person and to witness the power of God, the hunger of the people. And I, I recognized in those people the way I was before Christ came into my life. And so to be able to be here uh, today and just express my gratitude for what God has done for me. Uh, Andre Crouch wrote a beautiful song, uh, My Tribute, and you know, how can we ever begin to even express, you know, our gratitude to God after witnessing all the things that he's done for us? Uh, there's another scripture in Romans uh, 8, and it's a 19th verse, and I'll, I'll just leave you with this. It says, for the earnest expectation of all creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God or a revealing of the sons of God. And it's a challenge to us personally to take that to heart that our neighbors, uh, the people that we associate with on a daily basis in the food for less or the Ralph's market or in school or the job, the job site, uh, they're waiting for an, for a revelation, a, a, a manifestation of us that we would just take that opportunity in our lifestyle to communicate to them this eternal God that is so concerned with our daily lives. Amen. I love you guys so much. Thank you, Dr. Carter, for this opportunity. And I just know that uh, God is going to take this place and he's going to further the kingdom through your efforts. Let me take a bigger risk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank God you. bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There is only one Willie G. The Carter Report has taken a new direction. We're not going to give up evangelism. We're going to do it more. One place we're moving into in quite a big way is Cuba. Uh, we are seeing remarkable opportunities opening before us in Cuba. Beverly has been there with our team, and she's going to come and talk to you a little bit about what she saw in Cuba. Would you please welcome her too? Okay. 
Hello everyone, it's good to see you all. Now, before I tell you about our recent visit to Cuba, I want to share with you some of the history. Some of you will know, but perhaps the younger generation doesn't know so well. Uh, Cuba is the largest island in the Caribbean, being 760 miles long and 55 miles wide, and is only 93 miles south of Florida. Cuba's population is a little over 11 million. Its known history began with the arrival of Christopher Columbus in 1492 and the subsequent invasion of the island by the Spanish. Many of the indigenous groups who inhabited the island were eliminated or died from diseases brought by the conquerors. From 1526, the Spanish imported African slaves to work on the sugar plantations, which continued well into the 1800s. The struggle for independence from Spain began in 1868 without much success. But in 1898, the USA went to war with Spain and the US invaded Cuba and Spain surrendered shortly afterwards. The US forces occupied Cuba for nearly four years, but left in 1902, although it didn't stop intervening in subsequent rebellions, the last being General Batista. In 1959, there arose a strong guerrilla army led by Fidel Castro and aided by a young Argentinian-born man by the name of Xi Chabera. Castro introduced a repressive communist regime. In 1960, all US businesses were nationalized without compensation and Washington broke off diplomatic relations with Havana. In 1962, the USA imposed a blockade on Cuba, which caused Cuba to tighten its relationship with the Soviets even more. Fearing a US invasion, Castro agrees to allow Russia to deploy nuclear uh, weapons on its island. Now, the Soviets had told the US they wouldn't do this, but like many politicians, they broke their promise. And so things came to a head in October of 1962, and many of you my age and perhaps a little younger will remember this well. For 14 days, the world held its breath as President Kennedy and Nikita Khrushchev tried to reach a compromise to avoid a nuclear war. The world heaved a sigh of relief when the two countries agreed that they'd rather have peace than annihilation. Because of Cuba's dependence on the USSR, when the Soviet Union broke up in 1991, the situation in communist Cuba got much, much worse, and Castro was forced to allow some free enterprise. In 2008, Fidel Castro <coughs> resigns because of failing health, and his brother Ruel takes over as president. In December 2014, in a surprise development, US President Obama and Cuba's President Real Castro announced moves to normalise diplomatic relations the two countries had, severed, had been severed for over 50 years. In July 2015, Cuba and the US reopened their embassies. When our team recently visited Cuba, we found the people to be warm and friendly. Even though things are still very difficult, most of them only make about $20 a month. But one improvement, 
and young people will be interested in this, in 2008, the bans on private ownership of cell phones and computers were lifted only in 2008. I don't know how our young people would have gotten on. Although the communist government is officially atheistic, most people believe in God and the majority of the Cubans are of the Roman Catholic faith. Cuba stands at the crossroads. We expect and we pray that Cuba will become a more open society as the people embrace new freedoms. The Carter Report, with your help, is planning 10 evangelistic campaigns all over the island, plus 11 to be held in Havana in September of this year. One campaign will be held in the city of Guantanamo, the home of that infamous prison. Now, these meetings can only be held in churches as it's still illegal to hire auditoriums or arenas, unless, of course, it's for sports or for rock and roll bands like the Rolling Stones or, of course, the Pope. So we move ahead in faith, trusting in God, who has always remained faithful. And we, as a team, can testify to his goodness and his keeping power, for never have we lacked anything good. Today we give thanks that Cuba is opening her doors not only to freedom for her people, hopefully, but also for the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Amen. This year we're planning to go to the former Soviet Union. I've been to Russia and Ukraine earlier this year in January, but where our team is going to go back in October for a youth campaign in uh, Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. We're delighted to have with us today a gentleman who is the general director of the Hope Media Group in Ukraine. His name is Vyacheslav Demyon. How did I do? Yeah, very good. Did all right? <laughs> Would you please welcome our brother today? Thank you. Thank you very much. When did you arrive? Uh, two days ago, but yes. I, I want to sleep till now. You've been sleeping till now? No, I, I want to sleep now. now. Well, I am not. <laughs> I, 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 although I came two days ago, I didn't switch no. already. No, it has, it has a condition that we know a bit about. It's called jet lag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the older you get the more you lag. Thank you. <laughs> Why is Ukraine so geographically, politically, and religiously significant in the world? Well, because actually Ukraine is between Europe and uh, the East, between Europe and Russia. So we have uh, really kind of connection between these two parts of the world, and not just two parts, it's in the mentality are different worlds. And in Ukraine, we have both. Second, uh, Ukraine is actually birthplace of uh, Christianity in, on our territory. Mm. In, in 988, uh, officially, uh, Russia or Kiev, Russia was mm. uh, baptized by... Prince Philodema. Yeah, it's right. Ah. So and it was in Kiev, actually. 
Yes. And uh, Kiev was the capital for all the Rus in that time, or Russia in that time. Mm. Uh, and of course, uh, because of that, we have a significant role in the Christianity, in Orthodoxy, in all the world, and in Russia too. What exactly, my brother, do you do in Ukraine? Tell us about your work. Well, um, by grace of God, we um, have developed in seven years um, Hope Media Group, which includes full-time TV channel. It's actually uh, the first Christian TV channel, um, Protestant TV channel in our country. And uh, we were the first one who started this ministry in post-Soviet country. Um, now we have this full-time channel, which last year become Christian channel number one in our in Ukraine. By quality, by distribution, we are most popular channel. And even another leaders of the churches, they are they are saying very openly that we are the best Christian channel in our country. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we have we started a FM radio in Ukraine, and we are the first first Christian FM station in Ukraine. Uh, just last year, we have we, we got license, and it's it's really a miracle because, you know, uh, for you uh, who are in USA, uh, you have freedom, you have prosperity, everything is okay actually. Uh, in our country, I, I remember that time as I was young, and I I, I was printing uh, steps to Christ on the typing machine in the closet because it, it we, we needed to hide everything. If not, uh, KGB could confiscate everything. Uh, and, and and even I remember as first my first Bible was confiscated by KGB. Uh, you know, in that country, to have such a freedom, um, it's something unbelievable. It's a great blessing. I've got to tell you something. Yeah. You ready for this? <laughs> well, yeah. We broadcast on three ABN around the world. Very nice. And uh, I'm so glad to to see when I go to Russia and U- Ukraine that a close relationship exists between Hope and 3ABN. Yeah, we are working very close together. Yes. If you go to Nizhny Novgorod in Russia, you have there the the great Christian cultural center that was built, it was purchased after our campaign in, in 92. And there was a young man by the name of Danny Shelton. And he got a dream and a vision and you go there today, and this is the largest Protestant building in Russia. Amazing. And now in Ukraine, I think the main church in Kiev that the Carter Report helped to build is the biggest Protestant church in Ukraine. It's true. Can you say glory be to God? We've done a lot of work with a young man. Well, he's not that young any longer. He's the pastor of the Avondale Church. His name is... Vadim Butov. <laughs> you could be his brother. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. I don't you folks know Vadim? Uh-huh. Well, this is Vadim's not his cousin, but this is his brother, his blood brother. Now, I know that you're a dreamer. When I went to Kiev recently, it was cold, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Well, you Min- know, minus 14. Yeah, Celsius. and when you picked me up in the morning, it was minus 18. Yes, it's true. It was cold. Folks, it was cold, <laughs> especially when it's windy. 
you know, uh, if you're trying to preach out of doors, this is true. After a while, nothing's working. You know why? It's all freezing up. So it it can be a very, uh, Kiev can be a very cold place, but we have there some of the most beautiful church people I've met anywhere in the world, brother. And we had the privilege of running a campaign there in 95 and saw hundreds of thousands of people come to the meetings. I want to ask you this. You're a dreamer because you've started this, this television network. I was impressed when I went there to Kiev and I saw the work that you folks were doing with television, your produc- production assistants and the young women and the young men and the, and the cameras. I said, these folks are pros. Glory be to God. They can teach us a great deal. What dreams do you have for Ukraine and specifically for Kiev? I remember, as uh, as I told you already, my first Bible, my first New Testament was mm. confiscated by KGB, by communists. Mm. And I remember that time as my father was, uh, take, uh, uh, was invited by KGB and all the night uh, in this office of KGB, I was in the hall. I, I, I saw these big guys, officers of KGB. Hmm. They worked with, with my father in the office all the night through. And I, I watched uh, on these guys and I thought they think they have power, but very soon they will lose their power. Hmm. I was really sure that it will happen because... My parents, my grandparents, they believed that gospel must be proclaimed all the in all the world. But in Soviet Union, to proclaim the gospel, it was impossible. So it must be, it should be, or gospel or Soviet Union, not <laughs> both of them. So we were sure Soviet Union will no more exist, no longer exist, and it happens. I don't know why. I was really, I was just eight years old. This confidence was deep in my heart. Now, I have the same confidence, and I'm sure that God will help us to bring the gospel, gospel in all the Ukraine. All the people in Ukraine, they need to know truth. They need to know about Adventist Church. They need to know hope. And about Christ. And they need to know, they about, to know about Christ. Second yes. coming of Jesus Christ. And his first coming, his cross. Yeah, and, and salvation. Mm, salvation. Salvation, yes. And, you know, in our time, now as we have conflict in Ukraine, people don't have any confidence in their future. They don't have any uh, insurance that it will be something good. They need gospel. Tell me a little bit about the conflict, because in America, yeah. we know there's been a conflict on the border. What, is, what has this done to the spirit of the Ukrainian people, and especially well, uh, the people in those war-torn areas? Well, I need to, to tell you a little bit uh, from another perspective. You know, yeah. as Soviet Union breaks down, people, Ukraine, Ukraine finally got independence. Mm. But people believe that it will be enough to mm. have good life. Mm. But actually, the Soviet corrupted system in yes. the judgment, in mm. police, mm. in everywhere, it, everywhere. It's pervasive. It, it, it was the same. Yes. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. So people were so disappointed. You don't have any, any area where there is no corruption. Mm-hmm. You don't have any perspective to do anything. Even if you 
finished, for example, medical school, medical school, you cannot get got the work job uh, uh, without to pay somebody hmm. money for that. Hmm. You know, it, it's just terrible yeah. everywhere. So of course, people wants to have changes. Hmm. So we had one revolution, now second revolution. I'm sorry to say that, but I don't believe that revolution will change something. No. Just gospel can change something. Because yes. people need to change their minds. Mm. They cannot be without God, without morality, without without principles of Holy, uh, 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 holy Word, Holy yeah. Scripture. Mm. Without that, you cannot have normal society. No. So th there must be another revolution. And we are somebody who needs to do this revolution. Revolution in the hearts, revolution in the minds. And I believe the time is very short as our people in Ukraine, they will understand. The point is not in the laws. The point is not in the changing of the uh, politi politicians and, and mm -hmm. not in elections. The point is in the morality, in the, in the, in the gospel. In the hearts of the people. Yeah. But is it not so, we've chatted about this, that in those border areas that have seen thousands of people die in the conflict, yeah. there is a soul hunger oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that is... Oh, yeah. Tell us about the in, soul hunger that yeah, comes it, 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 when can, people are hungry. Can you imagine? We had nine conferences in Ukraine, around 50,000 yes. church members, mm. and uh, Eastern Conference just died, died, died. It, they, they were around 6,000 church members, and then they become around three and a half, three point two thousand. 3.2,000. So church just goes down, down, down. But mm. after this conflict, the biggest baptism where we have in Ukraine are in the east of Ukraine. Now this conference is no more conference, it's a mission, but they are growing mm. because people, they saw this war, they saw all this conflict. They, yes. I don't, I don't mm. know what happens, but sometimes I think, I, I'm thinking maybe people really need war yes. to understand something, yes. to, 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 mm. to, to understand the life from different perspective. Mm. So totally different situation. And I told to Pastor Carter today, we have organized our union 24 evangelistic campaigns on those territories which were occupied but now they are free mm -hmm. and people are like in 90s they yes. are coming again Hung hungry they're hungry yeah can you imagine yeah. there are small cities but mm. around 3000 non adventists uh, uh, visited this uh, this uh, evangelistic campaigns it's something what you cannot experience in other parts of Ukraine. So this conflict changed uh, a lot in our society. When I went to Kiev, I saw many of the folks that we had baptized. We had the privilege of baptizing yeah. thousands of people there. I heard horrendous stories about old people, babushkas, grandmothers, yeah. still worshiping in, uh, in buildings that they've got to rent. And if it's minus, the conference president said, if it's minus 10 outside, it's minus 10 inside. And he told me that the preacher was preaching one day, uh, minus 10 inside. You wonder why people don't go to church? You know, we say, why do people, why do people get discouraged? Because they get frozen. They get frozen out. But he said, the lights went out. Mm-hmm. So the place is in complete darkness and it's minus 10 and people 
are shuddering with the cold. Tell us of the building that maybe if God moves upon the hearts of the viewing audience, maybe we can buy it. We have found really nice place. Tell in, me about in it. In the very downtown of the Kiev. Yes. Uh, downtown. This is big, big mm. place, two floors, and yes. we can have at least two churches. Two at least. Big churches. At least. At least there. And really it would be missionary center. How not much? just well tell me how much? It's how a, much it's, to buy? It's around three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But I need to say you it's a mm. actually downtown of Kiev. Downtown. Get because, this, folks. because of this crisis, mm -hmm. the prices they just go yeah. down and there are big possibilities right now. And if, and, and if we buy this place, we can get two freezing congregations in out of the cold. By the grace of God, let's raise the money and let's buy it. Say amen. Amen. Now, amen. now tell me, your dreams about a campaign for the youth in October, tell me. Well, uh, you know, I believe... And especially after visit of Pastor Carter this year, I believe in more, even more that we can do really great evangelistic campaign for young people in Ukraine. Yes. Uh, although Pastor Carter is a little bit older as me, uh, he is preaching. He is preaching. He is preaching so good for young people, and we have experienced that. Uh, after his sermon, a, long, uh, a lot of uh, young people came to me, they, they, they just shared their experience that these sermons are changing their faith, they're changing their lives, changing their understanding of God. So I believe it could be really a big experience for non-Adventists and for those who maybe visited the church early, but, not, but now they're not experiencing mm, this mm. faith in their hearts and for those who are in the church but they need to become more powerful more powerful evangelists uh, because i believe every adventist must be evangelist and yes. every church must be a evangelistic <laughs> center <laughs> so i believe through this evangelistic campaign which we are going to broadcast live through hope channel and as i mentioned to you we are very popular in ukraine and i am so thankful to god for this we are reaching millions of people in Ukraine through cable TV, through satellite, and uh, we, are, we are going to work through social media, through social networks, because uh, we can reach young people, especially there. So I believe this evangelistic campaign can be something significant in our ministry of the church in Ukraine. I just want to say, my friend, you, are, you warm my heart. You bless me. Thank you. Actually, I'm, you bless me too. I'm glad. No, I love. I love you, folks. We're so glad that you came so far, and uh, together, by the grace of God, in this coming month of October, after the 21 campaigns in Cuba, by the grace of God, let us strike a blow for Christ, right throughout Ukraine. Let us reach out to the young people of that great nation. Can you say Amen? amen. We, amen. Will, we will pray for the for this event. Thank you, Thank my you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.